0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam.
1: My name is Jeremy.
0: And we are here to touch upon the final installment, Havoc and Wolverine Meltdown, number four, the cover date of 1989, on sale June 13th of 1989, the cover price of $3.50, 48 pages. This is a big one. It's titled Avengers Endgame. I mean, Endgame. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, on the cover of this one, a uh, couple of things you can see. Uh, I mean, it is well. At first glance, it looks like a naked Wolverine with a tick on his head. <laughs> but on second That's a glance, big tick. <laughs> I know, like a huge tick just hanging out on his head. But it is him, I guess, bursting through a skull, a skull with Havok's mask. Yes, the tick thing is Havok's mask. I guess the whole thing could be a skull Yeah, a skull with Havok's mask on it. Like I said, I didn't see that originally. It just looked like, I didn't know if that was shadows or, or what was going on, but I guess that makes a lot more sense than Wolverine with a tick on his head. <laughs> yeah, I would say. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a cover. It's not bad. I like it. It's cool. Yeah. It's Wolverine's inside Havok's head, man. Yeah, I guess so. It's neat. Yeah, so that's all there is really to say about that. So we, we crack this thing open, and uh, right after the moments of um, Havoc discovering Wolverine in the cave and blasting him away because Wolverine was crazy and all berserker-y, we pick up with Havoc and Scarlet just kind of trying to make sense of it, trying to figure out, like, why would Wolverine do that? It doesn't make any sense. Havoc
0: is lamenting having to kill uh, Wolverine because Wolverine was berserk, babbling, talking nonsense, trying no holds barred to kill me. Mm -hmm. He was brainwashed Scarlet. Someone was using him like a pawn. Someone who wanted him to get to me, but I got to him instead. He was my friend and I killed him. And he goes on for a bit. And uh, Scarlet kind of says... We should look around
1: for some clues, sort of, obviously. Yeah, and he, you know, eventually she's like, Whoa, I tripped. Oh, look what I tripped and found. I found a clue. <laughs> that thing that I said that we should be looking for. And it's a map of uh, a reactor in India. Part of it's burnt away as if somebody was trying to burn it to, to conceal it, but, but but only got a part part of the way through burning the note so i guess what they got to do is they got to go to india and that's where they'll find the person that um set up wolverine to kill havoc uh they go on to havoc deduces most of this on his own it's a it's a reactor schematic it looks like the one that blew at chernobyl and uh you know it it's the same model and and it's they're going to go do a test so they're going to be on a skeleton crew so Maybe somebody wants to blow it up and they are trying to kill Havok because he's the only one that could absorb that energy. Makes sense, I yeah. guess.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's a stretch, but <laughs> the whole thing's sort of a stretch. It's like, how does Havoc have all this information about nuclear reactors as well as in-depth knowledge of Chernobyl?
1: Well, duh, he read the files. Oh yeah, obviously, but that's this <laughs> is
0: like you know it's a loosely thread together plot that makes sense in the way the comic book plots
1: do. I mean, yeah, well, I also think, and the comic book can't convey this, is that Scarlet is just kind of like looking at Havoc wide, wide eyed, and just like nodding, like yeah. And and more and, and like really encouraging him. So he's like, yeah, yeah, they're going to try and blow it up and they want to get me out of the way because I could stop it and I could absorb it. And well, Wolverine, he he was just a pawn in their whole game. Yeah, yeah, that's the ticket.
0: Exactly. Uh, so she says, that's why they shot you with that plague virus. And even when that didn't work. And Havak finishes her sentence for, they decided to use Logan, a simple case of murder, totally unconnected with whoever's
1: fulfilling the strings. But that Alex, that's diabolical, she says, convincingly. I don't know yet, he says, but in India, there's a nuclear plant and that's where we're going to find out. So he stuffs the, uh, the map of uh, the India reactor into his trench coat pocket. They make a big deal out of that. Oh, yeah. It's like a close-up panel. Like, this is an important detail. Uh, and then they talk about, uh, uh, Scarlett asks, like, well, do you think the CIA was involved in this? Because um, there was an agent at the hospital. Why would the CIA want to destroy uh, a nuclear plant? And he's like, well, I don't I don't know that it was the CIA. But I um, guess we're going to go and find out, huh? What do you think?
0: All I know for sure is that whoever they are, because of them, I'm burying my friend.
1: And I'm going to pay them back in spades. So uh, we, he, bottom line, Havoc mentions many times that Wolverine is dead and he killed him and he's a pawn and he's dead. Um,
0: so he buries him in a conveniently shallow grave because he doesn't have time to really dig him. Says, uh, you know, we, we don't have time. She keeps questioning him. The grave seems awfully shallow. Aren't you going to be cold without your coat? Because he wraps Wolverine up in his coat. He's like, I got to bury him in something.
1: Yeah. Rest in peace, Logan. Come on, Scarlet. Let's get out of here.
0: And she says, well, wait. You told me he has a mutant healing factor. What about... And Havoc cuts him off. It doesn't work like that when he's dead, Scarlet. Dead as a doornail.
1: (laughs) I killed him. God forgive me, but I hit him with full power. Nobody survives that. And, uh... I don't know, this last panel of her before we cut to Dr. Neutron, I'm not sure if she's convinced or if she's like, hmm, I don't know. Can't tell a, what sort of expression we're supposed to get off of that painting.
0: I think I think uh I I don't know either. Yeah. I I don't
1: think it matters in the end. Not no, not really. So Dr. Neutron is there and he I don't know, they must have a camera on this whole thing or quark. Slash Scarlet are able to figure out ways to report back, but he knows what's going on. He's like, oh, without Quark's quick action, our little pawn might have missed our carefully planted clue, and have a killed and buried Wolverine. Looks like everything's going according to plan.
0: Quark's plan. Here's a here's to a brilliant plan and a brilliant lady. And Meltdown is there, and he says, in a brilliant conclusion to our plan, Doctor Neutron, Havoc will absorb all of the. India plant radiation and then he'll power me up and blast me with his plasma and I'll be energized to full power and uh, a new day will dawn for the Soviet Union and the world yeah Dr. Neutron says well Havoc's a hero so make sure you do a really good job manipulating him because he, he won't want to kill you and Neutron's will like or uh, Meltdown is like well I killed I helped him kill his friend remember should be pretty easy
1: yeah NBD uh, and Dr. Neutron has got a chessboard, and on the chessboard, he's got a Havoc piece, a Meltdown piece. So I'm guessing that uh, Meltdown is not here to see him manipulate these pieces. Otherwise, that'd be weird.
0: Well, I, I assume he—I think that's what's in front of Meltdown in the previous panel is that chessboard.
1: Yeah. I mean, from the angles, I would agree. Uh, but Doctor Neutron says, uh, "Well, at least Wolverine appears to be out of play and will not affect the outcome of the game." So I don't know. It feels like, well, and I don't want to spoil too much, but it feels like Doctor Neutron is playing a separate game that Meltdown is a part of. So I, I feel like, I feel like this is like an hour later. Doctor Neutron is doing this chessboard thing, but maybe it not. definitely could be.
0: I mean, you know, he he, we we know that he plays games within games within games. And he considers this whole like thing sort of a big game, and so, yeah, right. maybe,
1: so anyhow, uh, cut to Wolverine, who's like what where am I? Why am I in this shallow grave? Why am I covered in havoc's coat? uh, whoever buried me didn't want me to, or wanted me to heal and get out of here, so yeah, I guess I'll do that, huh <laughs> bet bet you it was havoc, I'm remembering some things, oh my gosh, uh, I almost killed him. And then he shot me, but he held back just a little bit. Just enough. Just enough.
0: Healing factor kicked in just like he knew it would. Into overdrive. Didn't didn't know that was a thing, but sure.
1: <laughs> uh, healing my body, my mind. And where's Alex now? What's this? In my pocket. A map of India marked with a location. Ha <laughs> ha. So the bright boy thought of everything.
0: Except for one. The spy bitch is still with him. Dun, dun, dun. Sensor all over. Mixed with his, does she know him alive? Doesn't matter. Nothing's gonna save her. Nothing. Just pointing out that this is an epic comic. Yeah. Once again,
1: you got you got a couple swear words. Um, whoever the artist is, I noticed throughout this comic book that does the Wolverine panels. He didn't. I feel like uh, the other guy did the majority of the work.
0: This issue was a little bit darker than all the others. And harder to make stuff out, so I feel like maybe they're running out of steam, and this should have been a three-parter. Could be, but I don't know.
1: I mean, a a lot of the stuff, like the uh, um the James Dean stuff, I feel like whoever that artist is is doing the majority of this book, but it could be. Because there's, there's like this panel, these few panels here of Wolverine busting through and everything. This is clearly the guy that's doing the abstract um, Wolverine paintings. But I feel like as we go through, it looks like the other artist trying to ape that guy's style. So, I don't know. I mean, I'm not complaining. It's all still good artwork, <clears throat> still good paintings. But it it seemed to be a, a little bit different um, in tone and style than the other three issues. But, Agreed. <clears throat> nevertheless... Um, uh, Havoc and Scarlet have made it to India, and they're roaring along the desert in a jeep. Havoc's got his Havoc uniform on.
0: Scarlet's got her Scarlet uniform on.
1: Yep, she's making a phone call over Snake Eyes, saying, "I'll be home soon, dear." And uh, <laughs>
0: Snake Eyes doesn't answer.
1: <laughs> and they they pull up to a reactor that's on fire, and they're like, "Oh man, we might be too late." Well, let's get up there.
0: Before that, we get thought balloons of both of them, and we, we kind of learn that uh, he has not uh, – Havoc has not told Scarlet about Logan, that he's still alive and part of his plan, although he thought maybe he should. But just in case, it's better that she not know uh, in case they get into trouble. And then Scarlet's is – she she in her mind is hoping that everything works out okay and she and Alex can run away and be free. So she's – Kind of turning a little page there as well.
1: Yep. You get a little bit of foreshadowing of that in the, the last issue, but it's coming coming around. Uh, and that's when they discover the reactor on fire. Uh, they pull up and Havoc's like, well, I'm going to go in there uh, and uh, save people.
0: He keeps trying to get her to stay outside, but she keeps saying, no, I'm going with you. So there's like three panels where he's like, no, you got to stay outside. You got to stay away from danger. And she's like, no, I'm coming along.
1: Yep. They have a nice big smooch before they go into the reactor, which is on fire. Fortunately, they were able to find a radiation suit for Scarlet.
0: Finding you is like a miracle, She he. they both say. Yep. Yeah, I'm sure there's radio radiation suits around. So she gets in one. She's like, it doesn't seem damaged, Alex. And as long as I'm not in here too long... <laughs> And Havoc starts absorbing all of the radiation. Don't get too close, honey.
1: Yeah, maybe I can uh, return the rods to so their off position manually. So that's his plan: is to get to the core, let's reset those rods. Um, she's like, "All right, well, let's hurry. I'm, I'm scared."
0: I know, honey. So am I. But there's no time left to get help. Look at the color of the core. We're going to. We're getting close to a meltdown. But don't worry. I won't let you down. And they climb down into the core, and Alex just plays around with the rods, trying to get them back into where they belong. And uh, Scarlett also comes down, which upsets Alex. Keep away from here! There's nothing you can do! It's just like Chernobyl! Remember? <laughs> Chernobyl!
1: The rods have buckled, they won't slide into their casings. You haven't tested them all, says Scarlet, and... He's absorbing as much as he can. He keeps trying to find rods, but none of the rods will go in. He's like, no, it's not working. you got to get out of here. Out in the air, you'll be safe out there. And she's like, well, come with me. And he's like, no, i got to save this country. Every second, the Belt Down is growing. All the neutrons. The chain reaction is getting stronger with every second. I'm a human control rod. I can absorb all of the energy. Maybe. But maybe you'll die. If I go closer into the core, I might just be able to stop the meltdown. Lives What? The country, blah, 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 blah. This chance I'll have to take. So he gets into the core, and and we get uh, four uh, pretty nice panels of him thinking and absorbing as much power as as he can.
0: Yeah, these are probably my favorite panels of the issue. Mm-hmm. I think this would be a cool poster.
1: Yeah. yeah. Hey, no problem. I can hold it easy. Maybe too easy. And then a little tur-
0: too easy.
1: <laughs> he turns around, he's like, well, who's there? And the guy says, the name is Meltdown Tavarish. Wait a minute, I know what Tavarish means. <laughs> Colossus, what are you doing here? And uh, Meltdown's like, ah, yes, I'm an evil guy, and that's why I did this to the reactor. You brainwashed Wolverine wanted me dead by his hand, and
0: he fires at Meltdown, and Meltdown says, and you'll see me dead as payment for all this? That is good. In truth, I deserve to die. So fire away, little man. Kill me, if you can.
1: So Meltdown is goading Havok into using his powers. Um, Scarlet's in the back. She's watching. She's like, well, it's not Meltdown who's going to die. This is the payoff. Meltdown will be powered up, and he's going to be the most powerful being on the world. His every word will be law. He's going to take over. Havok will die, and Scarlet will die with him. So actually, is this Quark now? Must I guess be. so. Yeah, yeah. So I think Quark's coming around, um, and and he uh, so Meltdown continues to go uh, Havoc into using his powers. Like you could do better than that.
0: Um, yeah, he's even kind of thinking to himself that he's still acting like a hero. He's he's not giving me enough power. I need more power. Anyway. And that's when Scarlet steps in, and she has uh, taken the mask off of her radiation suit.
1: But why? I mean. Is this part? Is this part of her plan?
0: Well, this is Quark's plan, mm. I guess. Alex, my love, he's more powerful than you can imagine, and fighting him will only make matters worse. Run, get out where you can. He, he is death.
1: Is death, Scarlet, my heart. What are you doing? It's too dangerous. I said I'd keep you safe. You believed me, which is weird dialogue, <laughs> but. And that's when Meltdown's like, "Ooh, excellent, Quark! You have solved my final problem. Neutron was right. You are magnificent." So, Meltdown in a full-page painting destroys Scarlet slash Quark.
0: Well, it's a, a, one one full page and then three, uh, two more panels where she dissolves into total dust.
1: Yeah,
0: and yeah. then we get a close-up of Havoc's eyes, and then he screams,
1: "No!" Die you monster, die die! And now he's unleashing the full uh, brunt of his powers. This is another uh, uh, good four-page. You can definitely see the rage in his face.
0: Yeah, this is good stuff.
1: As he's just blasting away at Meltdown, and Meltdown's like, ah, finally, at last, and
0: and he's smiling as he get he's absorbing all of this stuff.
1: You have done me a great service, Havoc, and you Quark, and and now he's got all of this power. Um and that's when uh, Havoc collapses and says, who are you? And Logan steps in and says, wake up, it's smell of coffee. It's the bad guy. It's the
0: big bad wolf himself, and this is what he wanted all along.
1: Meltdown says, Tavoya Mats, which must mean something like, oh, my God. Or
0: No, it means mother effer. I looked it up. Really? Yeah. Oh,
1: neat. Wolverine, it can't be. You did good, Alex, real good. But this place is getting ready to blow. See if you can hold back the core while I have a chat with Chuckles here.
0: Logan, the radiation. That's your job, dude. Go suck it up like a sponge before this part of India becomes history. But one-on-one with a laughing boy? That's my job. I'm Wolverine. The best there is of what I do. And what I do isn't very nice.
1: So he and Meltdown uh, start fighting. And... uh... Well, this is where things kind of get a little confusing as far as who's doing what, but... I don't know why Milton says, I saw you die. Did he? Well, that, that goes back to the whole, like, camera comment I made, where Dr. Neutron's like, I see our plan is continuing as expected. Quark did her job, and they found the clue, and have it killed Wolverine. So...
0: I guess. There's so she, a, she videotaped the whole thing?
1: Yeah, she, she grabbed out her camcorder, put it on her <laughs> shoulder, took a video, and then uh, FedExed the VHS to them.
0: Hey, what are you? What are you doing, Scarlet?
1: Don't worry, <laughs> ah, junior journalist. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, Wolverine and Meltdown are fighting. Um...
0: It's a big, long fight, and Wolverine is hacking and slashing, but it's not really doing anything because Meltdown's too powerful. He's just standing there as if, ha ha ha. And uh, Wolverine is faster than Meltdown, but Mo- Meltdown is more powerful than Wolverine, so they're kind of at a at a toss-up.
1: So I guess whenever Wolverine slashes at Meltdown, the wounds just heal up right behind these slashes.
0: Like water, he says.
1: Yeah, he uses that analogy a few times, It's just weird.
0: That's that's pretty fast. So. We get a panel where uh, Meltdown gets a shot in at Wolverine and melts his arm, and it nearly falls off.
1: Melted down it's, to the bone.
0: Which is pretty neat.
1: My arm! Which is uh, what
0: you say when your arm gets melted. <laughs> You, you don't just go, ah, you go, <laughs> my arm.
1: Meltdown says, ah, so your bones resist the force of my nuclear blast, Wolverine. Well, I'm going to vaporize it. I'm going to polish your bones. And I'm going to gonna hang you on the wall. Or hang you from the highest tower of the asylum, whatever that means. Wolverine wraps his bone up in like a coat or something.
0: Maybe it's Havoc's coat from before.
1: Probably. Sorry, Bob, that
0: sounds like too much exposure and too little skin why don't you take one of these instead? And he uh, grabs a uh, rod from the floor and tosses it through. It does it so fast. It goes straight through meltdown with a schluck sound or schpluck.
1: Wolverine thinks to himself, doesn't seem to be slowing him down. Maybe I guessed wrong. And meltdown's like a spear. Your claws couldn't stop me. Why would you do a spear? Wolverine keeps chucking at these things at him. And, uh, more and more, um, it seems to be slowing him down until the point that Meltdown says that hurt. What do you think you can accomplish from this farce? How can this be?
0: I feel dizzy. Then we get an awesome full page of Meltdown prior to uh, his imminent ending, <laughs> where uh, he's he's just got rods. Stuck through them at every angle.
1: I'm no longer absorbing energy from Havoc. Why do you think they call them control rods?
0: And that's when Wolverine jumps in and starts slashing away. Now we can get down in more even terms, wouldn't you say? I must gather all my energies for one final detonation. Destroy the rods, this plant, and all who are in it. And Wolverine strikes blood and just keeps slashing. And uh, Meltdown's getting thinner and thinner. And he dissipates into nothing.
1: is yep. isn't fair.
0: is isn't fair. Oh, what a world. What a world. Who would have thought a little girl and her dog could stop me? No.
1: He's gone. Holy. Alex. With Meltdown no longer draining energy from him, Alex is near full capacity. And their reactor's still going wild. Logan, Wolverine says, rods will cool reactor. Control rods. Scram the rods.
0: Havoc's got all this cool energy that's green and red around him. And uh I don't know, I like the, I like their use of this green and red that they use in the next couple of pages. It's it definitely does not fit the art style prior to this on kind of, sort of on purpose.
1: Yeah, no, it's great. I like it a lot. I'm way ahead of you, buddy, but not all of them scram. I guess I don't know what that means. Does that mean like go into their casing?
0: Scram the rods. I'm way ahead of you. Yeah, not all of them scram. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know. We're, we're putting some of the rods away, but we're, there are still some available. And uh, Wolverine's like, I found some more rods that'll still work. And have it can't hold any longer. We get a panel outside of Earth where the red and green radiation spews up into the uh, er, uh, space and outside of Earth. That blast will give them Give satellite intelligence analysis nightmares for months. Jokes Wolverine. Hmm.
1: Alex is now uh, under control, laying on the ground. Logan, we did it. Yeah, buddy, we did it. Everything's uh, cooling down just fine. The sirens are coming, so they're like, we got to get out of here.
0: I don't want to be around when the coppers show up. I don't really know what's going on. I wouldn't know what to tell them.
1: So they head into Bombay, and uh, they start hearing some rumors of the Near nuclear meltdown and uh, local militia and firefighters that took care of it, which Alex and Wolverine are fine.
0: Alex starts talking about how Scarlet was the real hero. She's the one who helped me find out where you were. Got that plane, brought us to Russia. Through her contacts, I found you. should have seen her, Logan. She was magnificent, like a wonderful dream. Who got swallowed up by a terrible nightmare. I can't believe she's gone. I can't even visit her grave. Everything I touch seems to turn to dust. But at least this time I love someone who was good and true.
1: And Wolverine is about to to give have like a dose of reality. Alex, about Scarlet. She but he reconsiders in thought and is like, you know, yep, she she gave us the plague virus, and she was on their side all along. But but uh even if she wasn't that uh, What good is the truth about her going to do him now? And and, uh, reconsiders and says, She was something special, buddy. You don't go finding girls like that every day.
0: Damn good thing, too.
1: Yeah, they keep dying. (laughs) Well, buddy, for now, uh, I got a powerful thirst. And you owe me a lot of beers. I'm thinking two or three cases. And if you're lucky, you might be able to have one yourself. We get the epilogue.
0: Epilogue with Dr. Neutron uh, and a whole bunch of chess pieces. Not just Meltdown and Wolverine, but he's got a whole case of Marvel Universe chess pieces. He obviously bought the collector's set.
1: <laughs> so this kind of this is what made me think. This page here is what made me think that maybe when he had his Meltdown piece and his Havoc piece, that Meltdown had already left for India and he's like, Well, the game goes on, and I'll take Wolverine off the board because Yes, now uh meltdown as the black king uh or queen, I guess. I don't know, it doesn't really say.
0: I guess the black king and queen would be meltdown and quirk.
1: Yeah. It's tipped over and so out of out of his little collector set he's got a daredevil, a spider man, a captain America, uh Wolverine is in there, Punisher, probably an Iron Man, maybe a Hulk. Yeah. Sounds about right. And uh enter so he pulls out a Another piece, which is a long-haired woman in what looks to be a nurse's uniform. And a door, Uh, the door rings, I guess, cling cling, clank, it says.
0: Enter freely and of your own will. And whoever it is says a reference to Count Dracula, Dr. Neutron? Is that a Count Dracula thing? I don't know what that is.
1: Well, uh, I'm guessing it refers back to the story of Count Dracula, because as a you know you you vampire can't enter your house unless he's freely invited, hmm so I believe that's kind of the origin of that,
0: so that's saying that Dr. Neutron is a vampire
1: no uh i think well, that, i don't
0: mean I don't mean literally no. I mean like figuratively or 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 you know. no
1: no, I don't think so because uh the woman here she says, surely you don't see me as some kind of a vampire because you'd be inviting the vampire in by using those words. Oh, okay. And he says, no, well, this leads me to believe that this is maybe either a reincarnated quark or a clone of quark or some derivation of quark because they go out of their way to not show you her head. And even when you get the close up of her being like, oh, there's more games to play. Um, Tell me, dear, do you know how to play chess? All we see is her arms and her holding a clipboard.
0: That's true. I got the same impression that she was a clone or something of Quark.
1: So I feel like maybe they were trying to set up like a possible future epic book with Dr. Neutron, you know, versus Daredevil or Punisher or any one of those characters we saw in the chessboard and uh, Quark slash Scarlet. And maybe it wouldn't have been Scarlet. Maybe it would have been Quark and some other personality Maybe uh,
0: it would have been Havoc and Daredevil,
1: Meltdown. Oh, I don't know that they would have all featured Havoc, but...
0: No way, man. They're all going to feature Havoc, and every time he's going to fall for Quark in, like, a different personality.
1: And just not remember, like, ah, oh, why do these people keep getting absorbed by nuclear radiation? This time I'm Lady J. <laughs> this
0: time I'm Cover Girl.
1: And now you're out of G.I. Joe women. Baroness. You forgot Jinx. Baroness wasn't a Joe. I haven't. I I didn't finish. I could keep going. I bet you you could.
0: No, I really couldn't. What
1: other Lady <laughs> Joes are there after those three and Jinx? Uh let's see. There is that is a Joe. So Zorana doesn't count.
0: Oh, that makes it more difficult.
1: <laughs> Does it though? I think you named all the Lady uh, Cobras.
0: Um. Let's see. We got we got Lady J. Mm-hmm. We got cover girl we got scarlet we got jinx yep man i feel like there is one more Hmm. but maybe i'm just thinking of cover girl
1: Hmm. i i don't think there's another one there's gotta be i don't
0: i can't just be four
1: joe women (laughs) i think there are and then i think there's only two cobra women and one of them's not even really a cobra woman
0: so baroness and zorana there's got to be more ladies in the cobra too
1: I don't know if you think about it like from the cobra like named characters there's only like 8. The rest of them are all like various different types of vipers.
0: Yeah. Well there can is there are there any lady vipers?
1: I mean, there could be, but I don't <laughs> think any of the them were molded with like hips and plastic boobs.
0: Yeah, I suppose which, not. Which is
1: how you would indicate whether a masked character is a female or a male. You'd have
0: to do it yourself.
1: I suppose. I bet you there's somebody who did make a whole line of uh, uh, female vipers. Maybe. Yeah.
0: If you're out there and you know that person or you are that person, get a hold of us.
1: Yeah. I don't don't even think Destro and his Iron Grenadiers had any females. I think it was just him and Voltaire and then a bunch of randos. And like Darklon. (laughs) Darklon. Was there a Voltaire or did I just make that up? Maybe I was thinking Darklon.
0: Well, I don't know who Voltaire is. I assumed you knew what you were talking about.
1: No, I think I might I think I've confused many names, but I think I was thinking Darklawn.
0: But wasn't Baroness with uh Destro at that point?
1: You sure would think so, but I as I recall that toy line, I don't recall there being a Baroness Iron Grenadier character. Hmm. Um and in the comics it, it all becomes a big jumbled mess. I don't know, Adam.
0: I think we named all of the lady characters in GI Joe that's sad yeah.
1: anyways uh that th- that's uh, havoc and and Wolverine meltdown the the series that um uh got away from me when i was a kid because i didn't i couldn't get over the artwork it didn't have sharp lines and cartoony characteristics
0: that and i think a combination of the price I mean, you're getting your seventy-five cents, dollar fifty comic books, and then you see one that's three fifty that has weird art to boot. And you're like, I'm gonna pass.
1: Yeah, that's that's probably exactly what happened. I think at that point, the only three and a half dollar book I had bought was the Excalibur one, and obviously, due to its X connections and its, you know, mostly cartoony art- artwork, it was kind of a no-brainer. Yeah. Um, I also remember around this time, I don't know, within a year uh, in advance or beyond this, there was a graphic novel called Batman Digital Justice, and it was billed as the first completely computer-generated comic book.
0: There was an Iron Man one, too, but the Batman one, I I think you're right, was billed as that.
1: I looked at it, and I thought it looked awful, so I didn't buy it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: yeah, I think the Iron Man one is the same way. It just it looks like a product of its time. Which is like, oh neat that this is all digital, but they don't really have they can't really do anything cool with this yet. Yeah. It just looks weird.
1: One day I'd like to track down a, a copy or a, a internet version of that digital justice and read it with modern twenty nineteen eyes and be like, Did this work? Was they were they on to something? Feels like no because it never caught on.
0: The Iron Man one is on. Marvel Unlimited.
1: Hm. Eh, I don't have any attachment to that one cuz I never saw that one in the comic book store so I I have to find the the Batman one. But one day,
0: one day over the rainbow.
1: So Jeremy will
0: find it.
1: It's been it's been a minute since we've been uh uh in the normal uncanny X-Men run. It's true. Been been uh, doing a lot of things. Yep. Um, we got one more thing to do before we get back too. Yeah. What's that? An annual. Oh God! <laughs> Way to ruin my my evening.
0: No problem. It's,
1: it's, I don't. I don't recall the. Oh, it doesn't matter. Anyways, um,
0: so I'm looking at the the Iron Man one, and it's called Iron Man Crash, and it is billed as the first computer generated graphic novel. So which one's real? Hmm. Who do I believe?
1: Batman Digital. There it is, Digital Justice. Um, I don't know. uh, uh, uh it, it it was written and illustrated by Pepe Moreno, entirely using computer hardware, software, and techniques. The story takes place outside regular DC continuity, but not, but is not an Elseworlds title. Hmm. Maybe I made up the first. Maybe it was the second. Yeah, maybe I, maybe maybe I made that up. Because the cover definitely it says computer generated, but it doesn't say the first computer generated. What was the, what's the publication date of the Iron Man one?
0: December eighth, nineteen eighty seven. Mm-hmm. If you believe oh, Marvel Unlimited, which is frequently wrong.
1: Goodness. Well, this says that the Batman uh, story was uh, t- February twenty ninth or February nineteen
0: ninety. Oh, okay, so that's that's quite a bit later.
1: Yeah. So I'm I'm way wrong. Still. Maybe
0: you saw the Iron Man one and you transposed the the subtitle over to Batman.
1: Maybe, because
0: reading Marvel comics, there must have been an ad for that Iron Man one.
1: I, I don't know; must have been. I don't recall though.
0: Or, or it's what what is that thing called? Uh, the Berenstein Bears syndrome. Oh,
1: the the Mandela effect.
0: It's, I I also feel like that Batman one said <laughs> the first generated uh, computer generated graphic novel I feel like it was the same thing
1: oh man did you and I come from the same alternate reality and somehow we got transferred that's what it looks like oh man that's why we're
0: doing a podcast
1: I guess what if (laughs) help us find our way back to our original reality yeah what if all these things that I've misremembered are actually true from my reality and all these people that have written in to tell me that I'm wrong they're wrong from my perspective that's how what I've always felt. <laughs> <laughs> All right, nice. <laughs> uh, the cover of Digital Justice is actually not bad. Uh, gonna be honest. So now I, we I gotta Google it. I'm kind of intrigued. I mean, if it's to, if it's truly computer generated, like I in my mind, I'm just remembering like like triangles and circles, like very rudimentary uh, computer graphics. But again, this is just the cover, so who knows.
0: There are if you do like an image search for it, you get the cover, which you right isn't bad, and then you get some of the internal pages and they're they uh, this ranges from really weird to not to not so bad
1: okay Uh actually kinda looks like it looks like uh like amiga cutscenes almost
0: there's a freaky looking joker where he only has the some of the 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 physical outward elements of the Joker, like his smile and his nose and his eyebrows, it's creepy, mm. but but also not good.
1: Yeah. Okay. Oh well. And there's a page here that's like four panels that kind of looks like graphics from the Lawnmower Man, if you remember that movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: Stephen King's best?
1: <laughs> no, no. Um, um, the Trucks movie was his best. Uh, Maximum Overdrive.
0: I like that title better, Trucks.
1: Well, that's what the mini story was called, Trucks. But he, you oh, know, so he he, oh, okay. he wrote and directed um, Maximum Overdrive based on his short story Trucks. And, I didn't know he directed it. Oh yeah, and when he was interviewed, he's like, "I don't remember making that movie," because apparently at that <laughs> time he he was doing a lot of cocaine.
0: Yeah, he definitely had his cocaine period.
1: And that movie was directed amongst it. He's like, ah, "I did it. They keep telling me I did, but I don't remember."
0: I rewatch that movie from time to time, but it doesn't ring any bells.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I I like that movie.
0: I don't know if I've ever seen it. Really? Mm. It's not my type of thing.
1: Y- you know, it's kind of come back around uh, in terms of popularity, uh, in a in a kitsch sort of way. Is Star Crash?
0: Star Crash? Why? Why does that sound familiar?
1: Well, you had to have watched Star Crash. I, I mean, had to. It was a Star Wars ripoff.
0: No, I don't think I—wait, is this when we were watching terrible movies?
1: Well, yeah, of course. The movie was made in 1979, so our local video store definitely had a copy of it.
0: Okay, so I definitely have seen it, but I think we were on a phase where we were renting every movie that had star in the title. Mm -hmm. So I get it confused with every other star movie out there, like Star Blazers (laughs) or (laughs) Star, Star Crash, Star I don't know. There's probably others.
1: There, there were others. Uh, Star Crash has a, a woman in a bikini for most of the movie.
0: And Is that the one with the lightsabers where they don't call them lightsabers?
1: There's a lightsaber that's not a lightsaber, but then there's also real swords. David Hasselhoff's in the movie. Oh wow! For like a minute, and there's like oh, a, yeah, I can't remember that one. A really bad Darth Vader ripoff. It's basically <laughs> like wearing a blanket and a mask. I don't know why you remember this stuff. Well, it's on prime and it kind of came back into my periphery. I was like, Oh yeah, star crash. And I started watching it again. And then oh, a friend man. of mine was like, have you seen star crash? And I was like, yeah. Like, why are you asking me? This is a weird question. And your friend was like, it's so good. And you were like, no. And no, he's like, they, you know, it was featured. This on- is the Mandela effect. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And while well, he was telling me, like, there's this podcast and they do reviews of awful movies. And it was on there. And so and then I think Rift Tracks has a has a parody track for it. No, so, probably. Yeah. You know, it's it's just, you know, it, it we we were there first, man. Uh, yeah. But, but, if but, only we had capitalized on that. <laughs> if
0: only there had been like a YouTube back then. No kidding. We could have had our own like YouTube uh bad movies show. Yep. We would be famous like those YouTube people that are famous for that.
1: Instead, we we subjected ourselves to that stuff with really no payoff.
0: Yeah. That's sad.
1: <laughs> no vehicle, no audience. Just we're making
0: just, up for it now. We're gonna start up a podcast.
1: <laughs> just us to be like, remember how bad that movie was? Yeah, I was there with you. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, it's good times. So uh there you go. Uh so join us. Um well, we we have more podcasts left here, but eventually we will get back to Uncanny X Men. And I, I guess I wanted to ask a question: like, are are derailments like this? People, do people enjoy those?
0: That's a great question.
1: This was this was a long derailment.
0: We've gotten we've gotten a couple of f- bits of feedback, like one or two that's saying they enjoy the fact that we're doing this particular one, but maybe that's cuz this one's kind of special which is kind of why we 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 took our time with it normally we'll junk some of these together
1: yeah i agree so yeah,
0: yeah let us know definitely
1: and you can do so by visiting us at www.xmenpodcast.com Facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Danger Room Go or email us, DangerRoom at Podcast.com. Go out to iTunes where you can subscribe to us, leave us some stars or some feedback, or subscribe to the podcast. Um, go out to or call us at 501-GET-X-MEN. That's 501-438-9636. And leave us a voice Message You can go out to www.patreon.com forward slash danger room where eventually you will be able to hear all four parts of our powers of 10 uh house of x review.
0: By the time this episode comes out, they would all they're probably all going to be on there.
1: Uh, That's a really good possibility. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're listening to this and you go out to patreon and it's not there we were wrong we recorded it <laughs> that's yeah. a fact so anyways uh and uh yeah so go go check out the patreon stuff it it does cost you like a buck to get past the wall but then you get that exclusive delicious exclusive content uh and uh you'll you'll be able to find out if you're not reading what that story uh is all about you'll be able to find out what a mother mold is yeah yeah <laughs> i said it a mother mold you don't know what it is but if you go to Patreon and check out that exclusive content, you'll know. That's true.
0: Mm-hmm. You will definitely come away from the podcast knowing what a mother mold is.
1: There you go. If you go.
0: don't, we seriously effed up.
1: Or you weren't listening. Or that. <laughs> All right. So uh, got a couple of other things to cover here. Yeah, man. Yeah, Excalibur number ten um, was a difficult read. <laughs> Uh, partially because Alan Davis uh, is not doing the art. So somebody out on the Internet wrote us,
0: and I I don't have it up, but they were disappointed that we didn't know who Marshall Rogers was. And I guess, like, that just means we weren't reading Marshall Rogers' comics. I mean, I don't know. It's impossible to know everybody, right? Yeah. But then I realized, because I'm reading G.I. Joe a little bit, that I actually do know Marshall Rogers and he did a couple of uh issues of G.I. Joe, like around the same time frame. And his G.I. Joe stuff is actually really good. Um well, I mean, G.I. Joe's sort of a different beast than this. And I think this suffers from the not Alan Davis problem.
1: Yeah, I um if I criticized and said the art was bad and I have a tendency to do those generalizations, um, I apologize. I think I think you're right. It's it, it it's bad because it's not Alan Davis. And I think we've talked about this as well. I think we had a big conversation about Rick Leonardi and his artwork and us not appreciating it. But it's us us not appreciating them doing essentially what somebody else kind of owns. So Excalibur's, in my opinion, art wise, owned by Alan Davis. And seeing other people is almost like seeing somebody trying to do their best impression.
0: And to be fair, if I wasn't rereading GI Joe right now, I wouldn't remember who Marshall Rogers was. Sorry.
1: Uh, and GI Joe's artwork goes up and down; um, it's all over the place. It's all over and the place. That's kind of like, and a, a, as
0: a as a reader of GI Joe as a kid, I couldn't tell you A from B because oh. I didn't I didn't care about art then. No. It was just like it was all about story. I was like, tell your story, comic man. Yeah, I didn't care who the artists were.
1: When I was a kid, I just assumed they were all drawn by the same person. <laughs> I mean, not like every comic book, but like all the X Men's were drawn by all the people, or one person, and all the GI Joes were drawn by a different person.
0: I'm surprised I even knew that Larry Hamill was the writer, and I wonder maybe if I maybe I didn't, and that came a little bit later. But
1: I don't hmm. know. I don't know. Good question. You probably made that connection later on when you saw his name in the pages of, G- of Wolverine. And You're like I've seen that name before. I could be. And then you were rereading an issue of GI Joe, and you're like, "This is where I saw his name."
0: No way. How soon? Like when you were a kid reading X Men and Excalibur and X Factor. Well, I guess not X Factor. Uh, did you realize who? Did you ever connect the dots that Chris Claremont was a human being? No. Okay.
1: No, not not for a, a no, not for a while. I I thought Stan Lee did everything.
0: I mean you you have mentioned that in the past his
1: name was everywhere I was like man this Stan Lee is super talented he's writing he's drawing Like, why else would they put his name everywhere if he wasn't doing everything
0: it's for people like you who thought he did everything
1: when when Chris Claremont materialized in my mind as a person who put words on a piece of paper uh, it's a great question Uh, definitely two years after I was reading comics I'm sure Okay. That I realized that there was like um, people uh, and teams, (laughs) and uh, um, you know, an issue might not look the same as you are used to because that team, that creative team, ultimately uh, was changed out for reasons. You know, it was
0: probably for me. It was probably the '90s because it was the '90s that artists started becoming celebrities. in my lifetime, at least, where where like suddenly you know who the artists are and you start to realize, oh, there's artists that do these. They're not all the same.
1: I agree. And I, I think uh, when we were talking about those types of things, I don't think we ever really talked about the writer. I think we always talked about the artist.
0: It was usually at that time, like with Image Comics and whatnot, it was the artist was becoming the writer. right? And then sometimes it was somebody else, like – with X-Men, it was John Byrne, and I was like, who's this John Byrne guy? Right. He must be important if Jim Lee's letting him write his book. <laughs> oh, how I've changed.
1: Yeah. Anyways, uh, Excalibur number 10. Uh, Excalibur continues fighting Nazi versions of themselves. This um,
0: issue's all over the place.
1: It it really is all over the place. Hey feel like the biggest takeaways is that Nazi Kitty uh, is able to disrupt people rather than machinery. Um, Kitty, uh, or Megan disguises herself as one of the Nazis, and that's how they're able to save the day is uh, she turns into normal Megan and takes out most of the rest of uh, Nazi Excalibur, including Nazi Callisto and Nazi Moira. Uh, Phoenix, wonders why there's not a Nazi equivalent of her self.
0: I have a question about Nazi Moira. hmm Having read House of X and Power of X and without spoiling anything, do you think do you think Nazi Moira? Oh man.
1: It's a yes or no question. I don't know. I'm gonna say yes. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. I don't know though. That, that 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 oh boy that now if they could have well oh, I don't want to spoil anything. Those of Are you, they going to
0: touch upon that? Mm. Oh,
1: that'd be amazing. I, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't think so either. <laughs>
1: there's there's nobody that's writing for Marvel Comics right now that remembers this issue. I shouldn't say that. But,
0: I don't know. Maybe Jonathan Hick- Hickman listens to our podcast.
1: It would take a special... Why wouldn't he? That would be amazing. It would take a special person to be like, hmm, Excalibur 10. Hmm, Nazi Moira. Hmm. <laughs> I I have an angle. I have a take. Uh. Yeah, that would be interesting. Um, Hey, if you listen to our
0: podcast and you know Jonathan Hickman, bring this issue to his uh, his attention.
1: Yeah, it it could change the very course of comics as you know it, at least for a year or two. Uh, Kitty is awoken by this McAllister dude, um, who I get the impression that he's like 40 years old. uh, But she's (laughs) just like, oh, my God, he's so dreamy. And as she's wooing uh, or cooing over him, the Widget dude, the frog-looking robot, creates a portal. And that's where some of these mysteries are resolved. Um, this Alistair guy sees, like, a an Amazon woman um, approach from the portal, grab him. Uh, but Kitty is able to grab him and phase him out of her grasp. And that's when they put together, like, oh, my gosh, it must be some sort of a weird portal uh, and Kitty phases through it and may or may not have killed the Widget guy. But for whatever whatever's happened, he is he's out for the count.
0: Um, so Alistair Crowley was a real person. Oh, really? But obviously uh, uh, died by the time this comic would have been out. Died in 1947. But he was a, uh, a cultist, huh. and so that's probably why Chris Claremont knows him. That's Just right. an interesting detail.
1: Sure. So now the police have rounded up Nazi Nazi Excalibur and Moira, and they're, I guess, wondering what they're going to do with them. Kitty approaches her kind of older, bald, I guess, sorceress self. (laughs) And she makes some sort of a revelation. She's like, what have they done to you? What have you done to me? And the older Kitty... It looks like she kind of hangs her head and she's like ashamed maybe of what has happened. Uh, And Moira screams out like she did the, uh, it it is to the child's honor and that her mongrel race, that her special abilities have singled her out for the service of her fatherland. And Kitty's like, you made her a demon. So apparently that's really upset Kitty.
0: Well, I mean, I'm sure it would be hard to see an alternate reality version of yourself who was, tortured into submission and made into some sort of monster.
1: So, yeah, they they Excalibur kind of... Uh, well, f- uh, before things get out of hand, Rachel whisks Kitty away.
0: Aleister Crowley has a crush on Phoenix. Yep. Not Kitty.
1: Phoenix, a name and a woman to conjure with and to risk everything to win. Uh, they watch the sun set. They all kind of meet up on the roof. Um, and then we cut to... Uh, Courtney Ross, who's like, oh, so much power, so much potential. I can't wait until it's mine. And she's looking at um, Rachel and Kitty flying past her office window.
0: What do you think Kitty's holding in that little pouch?
1: I don't know. Because she she's up there. She's hanging out. She's chatting. And then she phases down into the floor. Be back in a flash. I've got to pick something up.
0: I was wondering maybe maybe it's Widget.
1: Oh, I bet you it is. Yeah, it's got to be. I guess we'll find out soon. Yeah. Someday. And that's Excalibur number number 10.
0: Wolverine number nine is where uh, Wolverine starts going off the rails. Um, it's not necessarily that there are bad stories, although there are definitely bad stories to come. Uh, but it's it, they become stories that don't really connect, as far as I recall, to the Marvel Universe proper. And a good example is number nine, where it's basically a story of Wolverine remembering something that he did before he was an X-Man. In between, when he was back when he was Weapon X, before, just before he became an X-Man,
1: they they time it and they say it was five years ago.
0: Yeah, okay, so well, that's that's interesting. I didn't notice that.
1: Yeah, so he the X-Men have not been a team. The new X-Men, anyways, have not been a team for more than five years.
0: Hmm. Interesting.
1: Yeah. For whatever that's worth.
0: So the basically the story is that uh, Wolverine, as a uh, government agent, at some point during I think it was World War II, or no, it was Vietnam, uh, uh raided some sort of, uh, I guess, neutral area that has nuns, uh, that where the Canadian government is and. It was being held up by a bunch of American, um, essentially terrorists, mercenaries. And uh, and he, get, he seeks revenge on them for killing and torturing that Canadian nun. And that's basically the story.
1: Yeah, I was intrigued because it was written by Peter David. And I was like, oh, I'll give this a read through. And I, I don't know, I kind of lost my attention pretty quickly.
0: It's a good story. It's a very quick read the art is not the greatest um it's very it's very messy um kind of in that way that i have trouble focusing on it but it was interesting it wasn't bad yeah i remember it being worse than it was i guess so i was i was expecting it to be terrible
1: yeah i wonder if you remember it being bad because it didn't really have much superheroing in it and really wolverine wasn't in it much
0: by this time, I had only collected a couple of issues of Wolverine, and that was probably all of the comics that I owned. So, I probably, this was probably my fourth issue of Wolverine. And so, I don't, I don't know that I was looking for superheroing, but whatever I was looking for, this didn't really have it. Okay. Um, it's, it's a one off story. It doesn't really, it doesn't really matter in the scheme of things. Sure. Wolverine learns that, or I guess Wolverine remembers that he's, he was much less of a man than he is now. Yes, and that's the moral of the story. It looks to be a long night.
1: It's an interest. It's interesting though that it's not uh, written by Chris Claremont.
0: Well, I mean, other people have written uh, Wolverine stories.
1: Well, but uh, the first eight issues or nine issues or whatever, eight issues were written by Chris Claremont. That's true. So I don't. Is this the beginning of the end of Claremont?
0: Uh, Claremont has one more issue of Wolverine and then he is off the book for like 120 or 30 more issues. <laughs>
1: I, I don't think Chris Claremont wrote this, this issue of Excalibur either.
0: Oh, he didn't. I, I thought he did.
1: I had to double check that.
0: It didn't, it didn't feel like he did because it was just a mess. Like story wise, it just things like it. it felt like eight different things happened and they weren't well paced. Uh, Marvel Comics presents number 28, um, continues the Havoc story. This one picks up the pace a little bit, where Havoc faces off against the Living Pharaoh trackers, bests most of them, um, until there's one left, and he fights that one left to, uh, and I guess whoever the the last tracker is that the Living Pharaoh needs to uh, defeat, Havoc, for some reason. Um, Living Pharaoh, I guess not the Living Pharaoh. They're trying to recreate the Living Pharaoh. Anyway, uh, he sees his girlfriend, Lila O'Toole, at the time, and he bargains for her life that he'll fight the trackers, which he does, but they take her away. And at the end, uh, a different tracker shows up, and it's a woman, and it's obviously Lila O'Toole, but we're not supposed to know that yet. I just figured it out because I'm a genius.
1: Whoa. I was wrong. The Excalibur issue was written by Chris Claremont. So, my bad. Sorry to mislead.
0: The uh, Havoc issue was written by Howard Mackey, who would go on to write Ghost Rider. And uh, also the Clone Saga, I think, from Spider-Man. The much reviled Clone Saga.
1: Is Is reviled a good thing?
0: No, it's a bad thing. Oh, okay. I think he did. I don't know. He may not have. Maybe he wrote parts of it. There was like eight Spider-Man titles at the time, so he probably wrote some of it. Sure.
1: Everybody had a take on
0: Spider-Man. I don't know jack about Spider-Man. I saw that last Spider-Man movie.
1: Meh. Uh, Far From Home? Yeah. I have a question. Okay. It makes me actually want to rewatch that movie. Okay. There is a scene when the kids are all no spoilers here, uh, where the kids are all checking into the hotel. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I feel like the guy who has no lines and is in the background for the most part, uh, kind of like behind the check-in desk.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: I feel like it was Bill Murray. Oh, really? <laughs> and, and so when I was that's really well, random, <laughs> well, and that's what I thought too. And then they, and they they cut to that scene a couple of times. It's not, it's not a close-up. It's not out of focus. Like there's a guy back there and it just looks like it's Bill Murray just sitting there kind of like watching what's happening. And I don't know if it's it, maybe I'm imagining things. Maybe I'm crazy. Cause I feel like, like I, I literally was so convinced by this that I Googled it after the movie, like was Bill Murray in far from home. And I found no responses <laughs> and I'm like, I can't be the only person who saw that. I think you are. I might have been, but I was like, that's kind of a Bill Murray thing to do is just be like, yeah, I'll be in Spider-Man. I just want to be a bellhop that sits off in the corner. Or maybe you had a recent Mandela shift. <gasps> Another one?
0: <laughs> You're all over the place now.
1: So that's that's the, I mean, it was a perfectly fine Marvel movie. I I had fun with it. Uh, there was some laughs. There was some adventure. do so, an Meh. adequate, in my opinion, an adequate Marvel movie. Um, but the reason that I want to watch it again is just to freeze frame on that and be like, is is that Bill Murray, or is that just like a really bizarre look alike, or maybe I just don't know what Bill Murray looks like anymore.
0: I know that in that scene that you're talking about, there are characters from the movie in that scene. The what movie? <laughs> Uh, Mysterio's crew, like all those people in the bar. Oh. Like those people are in the background as the kids are checking in. And I think even, I think even Jake Gyllenhaal is in the background. In the hotel? Yeah. Or, or, or or thereabouts, like on the streets and stuff like that. That could be, that makes sense. I know, I know that for a fact. I couldn't tell you which scenes or anything, but I saw that in a, I don't know, one of those little movie things that they do. Uh. Uh, cookie cutters
1: (laughs) Uh, bumpers uh, promos
0: yeah I guess a promo that's a good that's a good name for it behind the scenes it was it was a behind the scenes promo okay that was revealing uh, those those little uh, Easter eggs that everybody gets excited about
1: okay excited for the rise of the last Skywalker
0: I haven't watched the trailer yet. Oh, you haven't? I think I'm going to not watch it. Really? Cuz I I somebody told me that it does spoil a little bit. Mm. And I'm going to go see the movie anyway, so I'd rather I mean, inevitably it will get spoiled by by December. Um, but maybe not. Yeah. I'll try. I didn't I didn't have Endgame spoiled for me, and I, n- I never saw a trailer
1: of Endgame. Oh, you know what? I don't know if I watched trailers for Endgame either. No, I I did. But I think there were, like, teaser trailers that that gave away absolutely nothing and just showed you.
0: I did see the teaser trailer for the new Star Wars. And that I enjoyed that.
1: Yeah. All right.
0: For what little information it gave me.
1: And I think that was the, the, uh, well, I'm sure they've learned from all the things that they've done. But I think that led ultimately to this success of Endgame is, like, let's just show you some cool stuff uh, and let you come and experience the story yourself and not just give you everything. So.
0: That's the way trailers should be. Trailers should get you excited of the film without telling you anything.
1: Right. Right. I agree. So, there you go. Um, I guess... Did you watch the Star Wars trailer? No. Uh, I guess it debuted on Monday Night Football, and I, well, I didn't watch Monday Night Football. Oh, okay. I had to, uh, you know, I had to do something else, <laughs> and... Uh, Okay, that's mysterious. <laughs> Anything else is what I what I I don't remember what it was. I probably went to sleep. But <laughs> anyways, on uh, the news this morning, they're all like, "Oh, Star Wars! It's, 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 everyone's happy about Star Wars," and they they showed a few of the they they showed clips from the trailer on the news. And I was like, "This doesn't really seem newsworthy," but they also show clips from Dancing with the Stars, so.
0: Let me just say this. I don't think anybody complained about the uh, trailers for Last Jedi either, um, but everybody seemed to hate that movie.
1: I, yeah. I mean, for all the hate it got, there still is a very hungry and strong fan base for that franchise.
0: Now I think there's just people out there that want to see it fail. You think so? I think the internet's an evil, evil place. Yeah. And it's... It's it's ruined. It's ruining pop culture.
1: Yeah, I I don't disagree that there's probably a large amount of people that that are just giddy with the anticipation that it it will fail.
0: Did you hear that there was somebody somebody out there in the Internet made a uh, lady free version of The Last Jedi? because they they felt like the ladies had too prominent role a uh, roles in that movie. It's like, oh
1: man. <laughs> I feel like that could go one of two ways. One way it could be like we don't need women, so here's the male edited version of this movie and look at us men. Or it could go the other way of like, oh this movie makes no sense because half the characters are gone.
0: I don't know. I don't I don't know how it could possibly make sense, but apparently somebody somebody did it.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, the Internet is definitely biting back on diversity. Yeah, it's too bad. <laughs> uh, yeah. Why can't it all just be white dudes? <laughs>
0: you got how many years? Like 80, 80 years so far of white dudes?
1: Sorry, Dude. sorry, sorry. Straight white dudes. Nothing We've else. Had our time. Yeah. It's, it's
0: somebody else's time.
1: Well, as a straight white dude, I'm feeling a little underappreciated. I'm feeling as <laughs> if my voice is being drowned out. What, when will somebody listen to me? That's a great question. <laughs> I feel you, bra. <laughs> so, anyways, whatever. It is. Uh, it's disappointing. And then I go back to to the thoughts of, like, do you remember, like, we almost had Will Smith as a Captain America, and everybody lost their minds? I know.
0: <laughs> That's that crazy.
1: And I, and, and I hate to be this guy, but I, I kind of get it, because, I, I mean, he's from World War II, and kind of the history that goes along with that and everything. Uh, but on the other hand, I, I don't know, Will Smith as a Captain America would have been just fine, I'm sure. But the, I think the biggest shame, uh, and I never really – I didn't take a stance on this at all, is when they were going to uh, – there was a rumor that Idris Albus was going to be James Bond.
0: I don't think there was any actual truth to that rumor. There
1: may not have been, but, you know, as I've watched him in his career, and I've, I've watched him do, do act, and I've seen where the James Bond franchise has gone, I've been like, you know what? I think it would have worked. Like, maybe, maybe it is time for a black James Bond or a female James Bond or – a lesbian korean James Bond like anything Why other not? than like another english white guy i don't know so but again i guess i don't really care about james bond all that much um yeah so so whatever
0: i'm all for it whatever <laughs>
1: <laughs> so there you go more let's let's uh we should do an edit of uh the origin <laughs> this would be a funny challenge do an edit of the original trilogy But take out all of the white men. (laughs) There'd be nothing left. (laughs) Well, I think the challenge there would be like number one, aliens. Number the aliens count, and then any any non-white man, human. uh, A, could you like? I think there would be two challenges. The two challenges. What about (laughs) stormtroopers? Let me let me think about that for a second. The two challenges would be. How long can you make it? Like, is it, is it actually longer than seven minutes? And all the credit sequences, those don't count. Those get all cut out. Uh, and then the second challenge would be, can you, taking out all the white men, um, unless maybe they're being berated or being ordered around, uh, could you make a cohesive story out of all three movies, cutting all of those elements out?
0: Yes, it would be called Lando Carizzi in the movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, Lando and uh, Chewie.
0: Lando, Chewie, and Yin-Yub.
1: Yeah. Uh, that would be interesting. To, to And then, I mean, to take all of those movies, not, not. I mean, the original three.
0: What about Darth Vader? He Do you have to cut him out? Because he's, he's an old white guy.
1: You have to cut that last scene out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Everything else, though, is fine, because, I mean, it's James Earl Jones number one, and, and he's wearing a mask. So I guess by that reasoning, I'm going to say that you can keep all the Boba Fett scenes except where he talks. Because he sounds like a white guy.
0: Well, wait—you could you could use the, uh, the 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 redone Lucas <sighs> cut where it's it becomes an Australian guy. Yeah,
1: good point. Good. Point. And then all
0: the stormtroopers have that Australian clone voice. Yeah. So you could use all of them too.
1: Yeah. Uh, and then uh, I guess I mean I guess the stormtroopers count. They they we don't know. We I mean, we can assume that they're like blonde and and white, but we don't know that for sure. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, so there's a challenge, uh, Internet. Uh, make that movie.
0: How do how do we make the Yoda scenes make sense? Because Yoda's just
1: become some crazy guy on Dagobah. I feel like, you know... If Talking you, to R2-D2. If you take... <laughs> well, there you go. It's it's R2-D2's journey for some reason <laughs> to Dagobah to talk to Yoda. Why? We don't know. Um, and nobody else goes to a swamp. Or, I mean, I guess you could cut him into uh endor scenes
0: do you have to cut c3po cuz that that guy's pretty white
1: he's white but he's a robot so uh <laughs> and he's a translator so i think you got to keep him mm. um but taking all three of those movies and then editing all of those scenes in any order you want to come out with a a a, a story it wouldn't be a movie i think i think you'd be lucky to get 22 minutes out of that whole thing <laughs> It'd be amazing all right, then. That is our
0: challenge to you, folks. Yeah, yeah. Because we're not doing it.
1: No, I'd love to, but I, I just don't have the time for that.
0: Too busy reporting podcasts for you.
1: That's right. All right, everybody. Well, I don't have anything else to you, Adam.
0: That's more than enough. Holy cow. We, do, we, do, we just went completely off <laughs> any sort of X-Men-related
1: topic. But, you know, hopefully people like that. Yeah. So until next time, my name is Jeremy. My name's Adam and the Danger Room is closed.